Welcome to episode 46 of the Leadership in Context podcast with Keith Tusi. As a leader, it is necessary to understand the critical nature of decision making. This is Leadership in Context, a conversation on leadership in the context of the local church. For show notes, email podcast at innerpastors.com. And now here's Keith Tusi. In our last couple podcasts, we've been talking about the necessity of leadership understanding the critical nature of decision-making. And I thought I would add some of my opinion to why I feel some folks get paralyzed in leadership. I want to give you three things to think about uh, when you are in your own processes of making decisions or you're trying to empower other people to make decisions. These are three things that I found that sometimes need to be addressed. I think often people look at personality types rather than the character issues of decision-making, and they attribute decision-makers just to a personality type rather than to a character type, or they discount themselves saying they're just not bold or decisive or analytical enough to, to make the decisions that they need to make. So let's dig in here a little bit. There is a parable in Matthew, the 25th chapter, where Jesus gives one man five talents, one man two talents, and one man one talent. And the story, of course, the illustration is that the man who put his uh, five talents into investment, he got a 100% return. And the man who gave got two talents, he got a 100% return. Uh, Now, just as a side thought, it's interesting that the Lord doesn't make any excuse or apology for somebody getting two talents, somebody getting one talent, and yet another person getting five talents. So the issue isn't on how many talents we have. The issue is on what we do with them. But when he came to the third man, in verse 24, it says, And the one who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, notice he called him Master. I know you are a hard man, reaping where you do not sow, and gathering where you sow no seed. So his excuse for burying his talent in the ground was that he was afraid of the master. So this is the wrong perception of the Lord that we have to deal with, And if you have that perception, or people have that perception, they're going to be paralyzed. And that is that God is hard, that God is looking to catch us in a mistake, that God is not redemptive. I like to say it like this, Jesus is a redeemer looking for a place to happen. Now, of course, in this story, we're not talking about will for for sin, we're talking about poor stewardship of a gift or talent that has been given. So the first thing we've got to understand is that God is a redeemer, that we should not be afraid of making a decision. When you're making a decision, you are making an investment. You are doing something with the stewardship of time, talent, and treasure that have been entrusted either to you or in the person of other people that have been entrusted to you. The other thing that's in this verse, too, that I would put under 1B here is he said, I know that you sow where you don't reap. Well, 
That's a violation of biblical law. That's a violation of biblical principle that Jesus taught us himself. So there's a misunderstanding. So paralysis number one would be not understanding God. And and part B of that would be not understanding that God sets the, the framework for the laws of the universe and the laws of the kingdom that he's put in operation and that we need to be familiar with those laws. And of course, one of those laws is sowing and reaping. This person obviously was not familiar with that, and somehow he had a wrong picture of who God was. God is not a traffic cop looking to catch us on a technicality. God is holy, God is just, God is righteous, God wants us to be sober and vigilant in our decision-making, but Jesus is a redeemer looking for a place to happen. So, number one, we need to understand who God is and not fear making a mistake. Number two is the presumption that many leaders and many people have that they feel like they are obligated to be right all the time in their decision making. And we tend to venerate certain people that we feel that are right all the time. But if you would interview some of those people, you'd find out that they're wrong a lot of times. Uh, you know, the Apostle Paul is lifted up in evangelical circles uh, almost to deity to some people. But yet he and Barnabas had a tremendous conflict over taking John Mark. And maybe John Mark was weak. Maybe he was homesick. But Paul later on calls for John Mark. Did Paul make a mistake? Well, somebody made a mistake in that situation. If for nothing else, it says they had no small dispute among them. So even if there was a factual appraisal that was right, the way they behaved toward each other was wrong. Paul made a mistake. Barnabas made a mistake. There was a decision there that was made that was not accurate whatsoever. We, we can't deny that. When you look at Acts, the 20th chapter, there is a lot of decision-making that is going on in the life of Paul. And many scholars believe that Paul, in this process, could have maybe, probably, or even probability-wise, could have made a mistake. In Acts 20, in verse 22, Paul is talking here, and he says, And now, behold, bound in spirit, I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. Except the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await. Now, there are some people that say, well, the Holy Spirit was warning Paul to take a different route, to go to a different place, but he did not obey those warnings. I think that needs to be considered. The Holy Spirit does give us warnings so that we can avoid things, or the other side, of course, is the Holy Spirit gave him warnings so that he could be fortified for the test and trial that was ahead. Nonetheless, there were decisions that had to be made, but if you drop to the end of the chapter, it says, after Paul told them he may not see them anymore, in verse 37, it says, and they began to weep and embrace Paul and repeatedly kissed him, grieving especially over the word which he had spoken, that they would not see his face again, and they were accompanying him to the ship. Was that a wise decision? Did Paul make a decision based on principle to stand up and defend his rights as a Roman citizen, uh, 
to the exclusion of the calling of God that was on his life. Now, I don't know the answer to that, and I don't pretend to know. I've heard some pretty good arguments from scholarly people that would side on the fact that they believe that Paul made a, a, a wrong decision. But here's the paralysis point number two. You do not have to be right all the time. You will be wrong some of the time. I like to say it like this. We need to take Jesus very serious and ourselves not as much. We need to honor the process, like I talked about in principle number one, be there where we understand the, the rules and the principles of the kingdom. Uh, paralysis scenario number three is that I think many leaders especially believe that people have an expectation on them of making all the right decisions. I think this is a wrong preconception. I do not believe the people we're leading believe that we are never wrong. If we believe that they think that we are never wrong, then we are wrong to think that, if that makes sense. And I think they are much more able to identify with us and even follow us when we acknowledge that we made a wrong decision. Not all wrong decisions are bad decisions. A bad decision is when you make a decision when there was information that was available that you did not do your due diligence. That's a bad decision. A wrong decision is when you are trying to do the right thing, you chart a course, something happens that was unforeseen, unknown, it turns out to be the wrong decision. That don't make you wrong, that makes you a faithful navigator on the seas of life and decision making. So we have to understand that. Uh, so I believe that there's no perfect decision makers and I believe people will identify us if we'll be humble through that process. I think one other thing that I would throw in here is we're in the process of making those decisions that we don't have to put God's name on them all the time. We don't have to say the Lord said or use God's name in vain. Now that's coming from a man who I believe that I hear from God and I believe there are times where I've had to say thus saith the Lord in my life and in my leadership. But that's not a equity check that you cash every day, my friend. Those are, are very rare and very in between, uh, far in between. I think it's better to say I, I've, I've counseled, I've prayed, I've done my due diligence, I, I, I've, I've gotten wisdom, I've gotten input, I've talked to the experts. This is what I believe, this is what I think the Lord is leading, and we're going we're gonna to chart this course together. I found out that that type of reality leadership stirs people to want to be involved and want to follow. And when you hit a bump on the road and you got to back down and say, well, that didn't work. We're going to try something else. I think that's real important. A number of years ago, I had made a, a decision. It wasn't a ministry decision so much as a family decision. Uh, but I I ended up sharing that with the church that I had made a wrong decision that affected my family. It wasn't a moral decision or anything like that. But I ended up, I, I did a sermon called The Analogy of a Wrong Decision. And I walked them through my thinking and how I had disregarded some counsel, quite frankly. I had disregarded some relationships. I had disregarded some warning signs. It wasn't a big deal. It wasn't catastrophic. We recovered from it very quickly. 
but it was a microcosm. And I remember the response I got from that message. People were so relieved to hear that they did not have to be perfect. And I think some of them were relieved to believe that I didn't think that I was perfect. (laughs) Don't say amen too loud there, okay? But listen, I believe if we'll walk humbly before the Lord, God will enable us to escape from our defeats and triumph in our victories in decision making. I hope those three things will help you as you minister to people. Maybe you see uh, an area in your life where you need to fortify one of those areas, have your thinking more biblical or straight. But I believe decision-making is critical, and all leaders should be good decision-makers. So I hope this has helped you some. Hey, reach out to a friend. Share this podcast with them. uh, These are the last three we've done together on decision-making. I think they'll be edifying and beneficial to folks. This is Keith Tusi. Thanks for being with me with Leadership in Context. Today, Keith continued the discussion on decision-making. When you make a decision, you are stewarding the time, talent, and treasure that has been entrusted to you. If we are good stewards and walk humbly before the Lord, God will enable us to escape from our defeats and triumph in our victories in decision-making. Thanks for listening this week to another episode of Leadership in Context with Keith Tusi. Join us next week as Keith continues to put leadership truths in the context of the local church. As always, subscribe, like, rate, and share our podcast. For show notes or to ask Keith a question, email podcast at inourpastors.com. If you would like more information, you can check out our website, find us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram at inourpastors. See you next week.